Hey guys, it's Simon, and today I have the great pleasure of welcoming you to episode 20 of Learning from Humanity with Simon Funk, the old and the bold. Today I had the privilege of speaking with David Batterham. This conversation left me with a whole lot to think about. How can I bring warm, curious attention to every interaction? How can I be present while thinking about and planning for the future? How can I challenge a society that encourages us to think about everything as a transaction in order to form heart connections? How can I get the best out of myself without resorting to judgment or criticism? How can I help create a world where all people can thrive? As you can see, I have a lot of questions. If you're interested in taking a first step towards some of the answers, I suggest you keep right on listening to my conversation with David a dedicated Baha'i who generously gave me more than I bargained for. Without further ado, David Batterham. David, what do you think living well looks like? I think living well looks like um, having the time and space to reflect. Okay. And having someone to reflect with. Okay. So... You know, that, that means that you're engaged with trying new things and exploring mm -hmm. things. So you have mm -hmm. something to reflect about mm -hmm. and you're engaging with others in a common pursuit of understanding our common reality. Huh. So that means that part of living well is living something that's interesting enough that you have something to think back on? Well, yes, definitely. Okay. Definitely. I, I think living well is too is always learning. Okay. Yeah, I love doing that. <laughs> yeah. That's the motto of my university actually. I'm always learning. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. So to live well and to have something to think back on, you have to have a lot of experiences. Imagine you get to have oh, okay. I don't know about that. I think it's more having experiences okay because if you live in the present then you're experiencing something yeah every day and that's about being mindful too okay so mindful of what you're experiencing so you're okay. not going through life just blind <laughs> blinded but you're looking yeah. around and you're not judging things but just trying to see things as they really are. Hmm. So it's perceiving the that. reality around you. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is hard. I've tried. Well, I can consistently try and then it just... Sometimes I realize, oh my goodness, Simon, you're looking off this way, you're looking off that way, your brain is forgetting about half the things around you. And then, <laughs> Well, I mean, when, when danger threatens, our vision becomes narrowed. So mm -hmm. there's a purpose in not seeing everything. To, to being able to function in life. Mm -hmm. But that's the time to reflect is time to slow down and be able mm. to see those things that we might not ordinarily look at. So mm. I guess built into the question, built into my answer is that life is slow enough that you have time to not be just barreling from one thing to the next mm. and never have a chance to see the other things that are interesting. Huh. So how would you suggest somebody slows down? Is it just that I, an idea of doing less or? Uh, well, I mean, the answers that we commonly get for things like that is take a walk in the forest hmm. or uh, if you're, you're doing a simple activity say, brushing your teeth. Mm -hmm. Just think about brushing your teeth. Hmm. Why are you brushing your teeth? And really focus on it. Okay. It's not, oh, I'm going to get this over with. And when you do that, you actually brush your teeth properly, for one. <laughs> and you also, because you're right in the present moment, mm -hmm. you automatically slow down. Hmm. And you can actually enjoy brushing your teeth, maybe. Well, yeah, maybe, <laughs> but... It makes it an interesting experience anyway. <laughs> uh, okay, so imagine you get the opportunity to share one experience with everyone on the planet. 
Mm -hmm. when I say share, I mean give them the gift of this experience that they get to have it for themselves. What would the experience that you choose to give be? Hmm. It's a funny thing to say. Many years ago, I was out, well, I was traveling, and we were actually camping in Edmonton. Okay. And I went with three of my kids somewhere, I can't remember where it was, but we parked the vehicle, and then nine o'clock at night, in this car park, in this little back car park, it wasn't even a sealed park, car park, it was just dirt. Mm -hmm. I had an accident Ooh. in the car park and I hit somebody's car hmm. and I thought there's nobody around here so I could just leave and nobody would notice hmm. but I thought to myself my kids saw this hmm. and they need to know that we need to be responsible for hmm. our actions so I left the note under the windshield and the people who owned the car came and visited me in the campsite and we figured it out and I paid for the thing. I think it cost me a thousand bucks or something. Hmm. So that was, that was an opportunity to either live with integrity or not. Oh, okay. And choosing to live with integrity gave me the sense of uh, being able to honorably belong to the world of humanity. Huh. That's cool. So That feeling would be amazing. Well, it is amazing. Yeah. To, to know that you've, that without being coerced or anything, you can do something honorable even though it's going to hurt hmm. is is uh, it really it really sets a standard for who you are and who you want to be, mm -hmm. and I never I never regret that. I mm -hmm. I think back in in terms of I didn't really talk to my children about this, mm -hmm. but it's it's not the kind of thing you have to talk about. Somewhere mm -hmm. they know. Mm -hmm. Because they saw somebody come to the car park and we talked about it and, and everything. Yeah, yeah. So they know what happened. They know that I was honest about it. Mm -hmm. And then we, that's a shared experience in a way. Huh. Cool. That's really interesting. So speaking about family, what did your parents teach you that set you up to live well? My, hmm. my parents are also very honest. My hmm. mother was a scrupulous rules follower. <laughs> and to the point of driving me crazy. Hmm. But, yeah, a lot of honesty and a lot of integrity there too. Okay. And, and I think that that was passed on to me. Interesting. So going back to rules. Or, okay, and, go ahead. You know, I, I can't necessarily say that, that that's... It's also something in me too mm -hmm. that allowed that to be passed on. Oh, I'm okay. not sure that my siblings feel quite the same way about that. Okay. So hmm. it's, it's their influence plus my choices as well. Okay. Yeah. So in order for a relationship to impact a person in a specific way, both parties have to be in the right place at the right time, in the right situation, and so many variables have to be correct. Yeah, or both parties have to have, have uh, a certain set of values, I guess. Mm -hmm. Okay. So about rules, if, imagine you get the opportunity to write a rule book for life. What would a few of the rules be? 
Well, I think the most important rule is to be kind. Okay. And uh, a friend of mine with whom, with whom I worked a number of years ago had this expression that I just love. And it's three words. It's warm, curious attention. Huh. So show warmth towards people, be curious and be attentive. Listen with attention. Mm. And man, that just goes a long mm. way. Because it's like you're building in love for the other person. You can always find something to love about somebody. Yeah. Some Something in there that yeah. you can focus on. Mm. And then you bring out the best in somebody when you do that. So... I think I think that's I, and maybe that's not a rule it's a principle okay. but but it just carries so many other things along with it hmm. because if you meet somebody who really puts you off somebody who's got really values that are almost antithetical to yours mm-hmm. then being able to put that aside and find something in that person that's valuable, that's likable, that's that you can that you can admire takes a little bit of humility, mm-hmm. takes a little bit of courage, takes a whole lot of other things that are huh. that are part of part of living well. Okay. So by intentionally trying to love someone who it's difficult to love, it brings in a whole bunch of other virtues. Yes. Huh. Or, or it, um, it doesn't necessarily bring them in, but it kind of um, causes you to rise to the occasion. Okay. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. So... Um, in relating to other people, we all have relationships. Well, how do you think about relationships, including the one with yourself? Hmm. I guess I think, in general, relationships are really important. Mm-hmm. And relationships based on love and connection. Okay. So uh, the society that we currently live in is more typically based on transaction. Mm-hmm. So we see things almost like a business interaction. <laughs> yeah. And we have a set of rules and a code of behavior and mm-hmm. everything is uh, bound by that. Mm-hmm. And it makes things uh, really stiff and mm. and uh, awkward, I think, in, mm-hmm. in lots of ways. And people walk away from those kind of transactions feeling dissatisfied. Huh. So relationships should be heart relationships Hmm. and kind of goes back to the previous thing about showing warm curious attention attention. so come again with your question about relationships because there was another Uh, part what are your thoughts on relationships including the one you have with yourself including the one that I have with myself well the the relationship that I have with myself is always a bit of a challenge because it's so easy to be so self-critical mm-hmm. <laughs> to think that you're not enough mm-hmm. and so I have to do things I I think partly you know, I was going referring back before to being present with things and being okay. mindful it takes away having to worry about your relationship with yourself because you're Hmm. there, right there with yourself. Hmm. 
And so your relationship with yourself just becomes difficult when you become separated from yourself. Hmm. When, you, when you live in the future or you mm-hmm. live in the past, you worry yeah. about what's going to happen if I do this or mm-hmm. what happened yesterday when mm-hmm. so-and-so did this. Mm-hmm. So when you do that, your relationship with yourself becomes difficult. It becomes strained because you start to second-guess yourself. You start to question yourself. You start to criticize yourself. You start to feel like you're inadequate. Hmm. So if you just walk into the future as, as like you're walking with your present self, then your relationship with yourself just is. Hmm. How do you incorporate planning and forethought and being, thinking forward, thinking, how do you think about the future without living in it? You, that's a really good question. And uh, I think it's, you think about the future you think about it from the point of view of what the needs of others are. Hmm. You decide with the best knowledge that you have what to do, and then you act. Okay. And if somebody comes along and says, that idea that you had is really crappy, it's not going to work, then you say, okay, let's rethink that. Let's talk mm-hmm. about what you think is wrong with it. Let's mm-hmm. make some adjustments. And then mm-hmm. you go and execute that goal. Okay. So it's, it's that time in between thinking about the future, worrying about all the things that go wrong, <laughs> or investing a lot of energy in what's going to go right mm-hmm. and how good that's going to make you feel, <laughs> then, you know, that's... That can be a barrier to things too, because then that just asks for you to be disappointed. <laughs> hmm. I'm just thinking that through. That's I really like that. So there's kind of a place where you need to be more more decisive, and once you make a decision that this is where you're going to go, then don't worry about it. Just go that just way. Just go. Until you realize, oh shoot, I need to turn, and then you just turn, and then you go that way until you realize, and then you make another turn, and then you exactly. make another turn. Exactly. But all the time you're trusting yourself, you're trusting your judgment, you're trusting the people around you. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like when you're going down a ski hill. Once you make a turn, you're going that direction until you make another turn. That's right. And you can't really stop, otherwise it just doesn't work as well. That's right. Unless, okay. you, unless you try to hurt yourself by running into a tree or a rock <laughs> or something. <laughs> well... <laughs> I don't think most of us like doing that. No, no, we don't. Definitely, especially if you're going really fast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, during those turns and those are decisions, how do you think about decision-making and setting priorities? How do I think about decision-making? Well, to tell the truth, you know, if I'm honest with myself, what I said to you before was an ideal. But Mm -hmm. if I do have decisions to make, I do try to think about a lot of a lot of um, lenses. Hmm. Don't like it just to look through the one lens. I like to Mm -hmm. look at things from different perspectives, which drives some other people that I live with crazy. Hmm. But it's important to me to have things right. And sometimes that means that I not so much get bogged down in the details, but Hmm. get a little bit philosophical. (laughs) And so I can't get to the details. Hmm. So that's my own shortcoming. (laughs) Well, it seems like it would be useful in another way where it's the world is very very diverse and there are many aspects to our lives Mm -hmm. so 
to only take one or two of those into account, let's say financial gain when you're making a decision, I think that would be a very inaccurate way to make decisions if you're only looking at it through one perspective. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. So I, I guess the other thing is, as you said, talking about going down the path and mm-hmm. coming to a point, making a decision, then going on. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's right too, is mm-hmm. that once you've made a decision, just stick with it, learn from the outcomes, and then move. Mm-hmm. As, okay. lo- as long as you believe that the decision you've made was the best informed and took other people's uh, situations, concerns, and lives into account. Mm-hmm. You're just not dismissing other people because kind of collateral damage or something. <laughs> oh dear. What about uh, setting priorities? How do you think about those doing that? Well, that goes back again to set, s- setting priorities are about doing the best for other people and creating a world that we can all that we can all live in so mm. my priorities aren't around money they're not around um, security they're more mm. around um, creating a better world mm. and as long as we do that, we find ways to learn, we find ways to interact, we find people to reflect with, we find all those things that I mentioned before. Huh. Okay, very interesting. So if we're creating a better world, that means that there's things that are wrong with this one which I think we all know. We all know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, imagine you get to change one thing about our present society. What would the one thing be? Does this have to be something that is possible? <laughs> uh, no, no. It can be impossible, or you can do a possible one and an yeah. impossible one. Yeah. I, the, I think the thing, one of the root problems of our society is that we've we trust each other less and less. Hmm. So if I could change one thing and help us to learn how to trust each other, Hmm. I think that would make a huge difference. Of course, I can't make you trust me. I can't make anyone trust me and I can't make other people trust Mm -hmm. each other. So it's not really something that I have direct control over. Hmm. But... By being trustworthy and by trusting other people, trusting Mm -hmm. their intelligence, trusting their honesty, I think we we go in that direction. Um, Mm -hmm. But not blindly. Like there are some people who are clearly going to break your trust, take advantage Mm -hmm. of you, steal from you, Mm -hmm. hurt you whatever, you don't just willy-nilly trust them. Mm -hmm. But you can also negotiate a relationship with them Mm. where you establish clear boundaries of how any trust that you might have will take place. Mm -hmm. So I think that we can learn how to do that. Okay. And that's it comes back to self-knowledge, self-understanding, self-respect and the courage to listen to people enough so that you can find enough common ground that you can find a place where you can show trust. Okay. When you're getting to know yourself to acquire that self-knowledge and self-trust, Are there any ways to do that aside from just being present with yourself and spending time in that place? Well, I guess another aspect of that, which is something that I do here at the Multiface Center, is meditation. Mm -hmm. So in the process of meditation, you try to, you're looking at your inner self. Mm 
-hmm. And sometimes there are things inside us that we don't like. Mm -hmm. We might have experienced trauma. We might have done some things that we're ashamed of. Mm -hmm. We might uh, be angry. Mm -hmm. Or we might be, you know, have a lot of negative emotions about things. Yeah. So confronting these things and finding finding ways to deal with them are i think part of that part okay. of that process okay uh Mat, do you know gabriel mate oh yes yes i've listened yes. to a few things by him have you ever watched the wisdom of trauma um all i know is i think i know one quote from it it is don't ask why the addiction, ask why the pain. Okay. Well, the wisdom of trauma he put out as a... He didn't put... Some other people made a documentary of him and his work and, hmm. and published it earlier this year. Okay. And, uh, you know, just that idea that we can have these terrible experiences, traumatic experiences, mm -hmm. but inside that there's wisdom that we can learn from and others can learn from. Hmm. So it's that willing to, willingness to confront our bogeyman and our <laughs> demons and and the things that we're not proud of hmm. are ultimately freeing and ultimately help us to know know ourselves. Hmm. And that also means forgiving yourself too. Mm -hmm. That I did this at a time when I wasn't mature and that this happened and I don't feel good about it, but I'm moving on. Hmm. Interesting. So what do you believe is worth fighting for? Or standing up for? Yeah. Yeah, fighting for is um, not something as as a Baha'i we're very non-violent, so yeah. I wouldn't say fighting for it. But yeah. <laughs> I was going to say justice, but I said my first thought was equity. Oh, okay. And that is the the fair treatment of all people. Yeah. E equity is. Equity is based on people being able to have similar outcomes for what they do. Okay. That's the way I think of it anyway. Okay. So, um, you know, there's... It's taking into account the barriers that some people experience compared with others. Mm -hmm. It yeah. used to be called affirmative action, and that okay. became a dirty word politically. Okay. Because it's like, well, if this person gets this, how come I don't get that? And yeah. I'm just as badly off as they are. Mm -hmm. So that's about perceptions, of course. Mm -hmm. But I think that finding ways to give... Maybe even similar outcomes isn't quite the way to look at it because sometimes what's important is the amount of growth that you have hmm. through certain experiences okay so if a per one person is down here and the other person is here mm -hmm. uh, if they can both grow this much mm -hmm. then that seems to me equitable as long as okay. they're not ranking oh, okay people but the goal is not necessary to take one person here one person here and bring them up uh -huh. to the same level yeah so the goal is more to create a society where we can all grow as individuals and come into our full selves yeah as a at a reasonable rate with reasonable opportunities to do that but mm -hmm. sometimes our growth depends on how much effort we're willing to put into it <laughs> and how many risks we're prepared to take yeah. and how much we're prepared to put ourselves on the line and mm -hmm. how much we're prepared to learn from things. There's so many factors, <laughs> so many factors. 
<laughs> so you mentioned putting yourself on the line. I, I've consistently had conversations where I've come to, as the podcast, I'm starting to rethink this frame of thought. Mm-hmm. But I've had this. This is a framework that I've used. It's the idea of using thinking about decisions as bets. And I personally think it's like if I'm going to decide to, let's say, this podcast is a great example. I'm going to put in a lot of time into this podcast. I'm betting a lot that I'm going to end up X in X, Y, or Z place when it's done, or I'm going to have this experience through it. Basically, I'm believing that it's worth it. So right. what do you believe is worth putting energy or time or money or anything that you can possibly put into something? What do I believe? What do you believe is worth putting things into? Kind of what you said, really, something that gives me a growth. Okay. A growth experience. So things might not turn out the way you wanted, mm-hmm. but as you said before, you can change direction, you can steer, mm-hmm. you can, yeah. it can morph into something else. Mm-hmm. And at some point you say, okay, I'm... I'm not learning anymore. I'm spending all my time putting out fires or all my time (laughs) trying to fix things that aren't going to really get anywhere. So I'm going to let this go and I'm going to move on to something else. Mm -hmm. I think there's a great story I heard from somebody who had some successful businesses and attributed Mm -hmm. to their growing up in a family where... The father said, sat the family down every week and said, tell me something that you failed at. (laughs) And they had to come up with something that they failed at because if you haven't failed at anything, you haven't tried anything. Hmm. And so the notion of failure as an avenue for growth was embedded in this person. And you can talk to people... Lots of people who are successful in business and they've all failed Mm -hmm. and they've all learned from their experiences Mm -hmm. and moved on. They continue to take chances. They continue to invest their time, effort and energy into growing something that they believe in. Mm -hmm. Okay. So failure is not something to let it stop you. Just it's kind of like a, it's a pointer in the right direction. It's saying, hey, you should probably turn now. Well, it's it's almost something that you seek. Okay. You learning to fail and not be overwhelmed by that mm-hmm. is a really positive thing. Okay, mm-hmm. I failed. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's do this. Yeah. yeah. Well, the analogy that comes to my mind is like when you're working out, yeah. you want to go till failure. You want to go till you can't lift it anymore. Right. And if you don't get to that point, you aren't working as hard as you could and you aren't reaching your limits and you aren't pushing yourself. And until you hurt yourself. Until you hurt yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Be careful. I'm not a believer in no gain, no pain, no, pain, no gain. Hmm. Yeah, I have had to work with that myself because it's, locked in the back of my mind and then I'm thinking my dad would always tell me work smarter not harder yeah. and then I'd be like I have the idea that it should be hard but often it shouldn't be <clears throat> if yeah that's a, that's a it, it's an interesting one sometimes mm-hmm. being hard you know if something's hard and you're enjoying the challenge, mm-hmm. it's good. But if mm-hmm. something's hard and it just feels painful and overwhelming mm-hmm. and oppressive, yeah. then it's not good. Yeah, so you have to learn to distinguish between those two. Mm-hmm. The exhilaration of doing something that you, you think you've reached your capacity, but you find that you haven't. So you yeah. keep going. Yeah. Like that's exhilarating. Yeah. But you can also do that. Uh, you can get so hooked on that that you hurt yourself too. Hmm. Yeah. So then you need to learn how to rein yourself in and continue to be healthy. Yeah, and, and continue to test your limits in 
in ways that don't, that just aren't so ego driven. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Battling the ego is a constant, it a is. constant thing. It is, yes. So we mentioned chasing pursuits and learning and all those things. Imagine you get the opportunity to design a class that everyone has to take in grade 12. Mm -hmm. What would the class be? Well, I think that would be mindfulness. Okay. I think it would be... And mindfulness be, is also aware of yourself, mm -hmm. learning from yourself, and it helps people to understand community. Hmm. Because the only way that you can be in community with someone is if you're aware of them and you're aware of you and then you can yeah. be present together? Mm -hmm. I think so. Not, not the only way, but, yeah. but it's a beautiful way of being yeah. in community. <laughs> yeah, I'm mm -hmm. working on that. I'm even working on that right now. Even when I'm having, every time I have an interview, yeah. I try to be present with the person that I'm speaking to. And it's... Well, if you're not, you're not a very good interviewer. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Well, that's something that I'm trying to become. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so for the listeners, that's a little bit about me. Yeah, there so, we go. <laughs> uh, anyways, I've let them know a little bit about me. Would you be able to let them know a little bit about you? Are there any stories that you'd be willing to tell that characterize you? Well, there probably are. I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what I would say. Hmm. Like I'm not unwilling. Yeah. I just don't think of it. Like I told you one story. Yeah. I mean that in a way that characterizes me. Uh, um, when when I was a kid. I had to, uh, I, I went to a school where you had to play sports. Okay. And I went to school in Australia. Okay. So I wasn't very good at sports. <laughs> oh dear. And my dad was good. Hmm. In fact, he loved sports, hmm. but I was nowhere near as good as my dad. Hmm. And he was, he was, it was, he stopped watching me play because it was unbearable for him. Oh no! I only heard this from somebody else later. Oh, from my daughter, I think. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, but it didn't stop me because even though I wasn't really good at it, mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. Okay. So, I learned, and, and I would practice skills and stuff like that. And there mm. were certain skills that I had that other people that I played with didn't have. So mm. I was an asset mm. on the team in that way. Mm. But there are some things that I really sucked at. <laughs> and yeah. that kind of meant that I couldn't go very far. Mm -hmm. But in the end, the passion for just enjoying what I did Hmm. was was what what I learned and I, I think that that's what I've what I've carried forward is it doesn't okay. matter what you do if you can be passionate about it and it might be that you don't do things at a fairly moderate level you're never <laughs> going to be an elite athlete or an elite this doesn't matter enjoy what you do and do it with passion and do it with honesty and hmm. integrity and don't judge yourself. Hmm. How can you get to a place where you don't judge yourself when the society around you makes you feel like you're judged all the time? At least that's, I've felt the spirit of judgment surround me at times. How can you stand up in the face of that and say, I am enjoying what I'm doing, I'm loving it. And it doesn't matter that I'm not the best. I, I think if you watch uh, people who play, who do different activities 
and they're not the best, but they enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Fairly unbiased spectators love that. Huh. They respond to that. You know, the, the person in the Olympic Games who doesn't come very doesn't come high up in the field, but mm -hmm. they break their personal best and yeah. that kind of thing. Uh, I I think the values of the materialistic society that we live in mm -hmm. are success in money, uh, success in um, business, in achievements, all those things. If we use those to judge ourselves, mm -hmm. then we, we're trapped in it. Mm -hmm. So we have to seek other standards, other things that are fulfilling that we can honestly strive for, like okay. doing better, like loving, like uh, supporting others. Okay. Those kind of things that, that aren't anything to do with whether you're better than anybody else that we don't have to be competitive. Hmm. And if I look at the way things were when I was growing up, we, we had a lot more participation in community hmm. activities. Hmm. But we've gradually gone towards, well, I don't want to play hockey, I'm not good enough, I'll just watch it. <laughs> and so we've become spectators rather than participants. Hmm. And we become the things that excite us about spectators are the gladi gladiatorial competitions. <laughs> and so we keep buying into this com competitive way of looking at life. Hmm. That, that life is one big contest and there are winners and losers. Hmm. But if we step out of that paradigm, uh -huh. then we can have amazing experiences. Huh. And anybody can. Yeah. That's really exciting. Yeah. And, and if you think about somebody who's disabled or somebody who's yeah, disabled in some way or sick or old or whatever... Mm -hmm. for somebody at any stage of their life, in any condition, mm -hmm. to be able to feel good about what they've just done and mm -hmm. what they're doing is really important. Like, that makes a healthy society. Hmm. So, yeah. but when we, when we bind everything up in competition, then <laughs> we, we make that really hard to do. Mm-hmm. Because everybody but the guy who's on top should be feeling terrible by that adage. In a sense, yes. Because <laughs> they aren't first. Yeah. That's some very... I'm going to keep that rattling around my brain for a long time. I'm going to want to reflect on that. So you mentioned money in the capitalist society. What are your thoughts on money, work, and business? About, on? Money, work, and business. I, I think... What I thought about when I thought about this before is it's all about your passion. Hmm. So find something to do that you're passionate about. Mm -hmm. And there's a bit of a problem because people tell students who are going into education just study what you're passionate about and the world will open up for you but it doesn't always do that hmm. so you know, we we have to be a little careful about how we think about that and that passion hmm. needs to be associated with integrity with doing things for others with mm -hmm. providing something for others not just for your own selfish ends mm -hmm. then i think we can we can make things work hmm. 
so essentially as long you're saying that if someone's bringing something into the world that's of value to others that is in alignment with their own passion then it will be then they'll be able to make a living at it or well maybe not make a living but then it'll kind of work out more than if they're doing something for themselves yeah, I think so I, I and I think when people do do things that they they really want to do hmm. then doors do open because people respond to that so about probably 20 or 30 years ago I was struggling as a teacher mm-hmm. particularly in the school system and so I was kind of doing a little bit of substitute teaching and I was running a painting business I was doing like four jobs wow you know scattered throughout the day and and it was interesting but mm. it was also drowning me a little bit mm. and i said to myself okay what do you really want to be doing mm-hmm. and i said to myself okay i want to go back i want to teach adults because mm. that's what i feel um a little bit more comfortable in and something that I have to offer. So I looked around and I found uh, an advertisement for a position at the local college quarter time. Hmm. So I got, I applied for it. I walked out of the interview with the quarter time position and another 0.15 0.15 position. So huh, I walked nice. out of the interview with more than was advertised. Huh. And then I started working and after six weeks one of my colleagues uh, was in an unfortunate accident. Hmm. She was in a taxi that was T-boned by somebody and it shattered her wrist. So she was off work for three months. Mm-hmm. So I finished up doing her, her work as well. Hmm. But I, I think to some extent it was because this is something I decided that I really wanted to do. Uh-huh. I just said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to focus on this. Mm-hmm. And suddenly everything opened up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you carry goodwill, you carry an enthusiasm yeah. for something. And other people see that and mm. they respond to that. Uh-huh. I, I feel that that's important, but I don't want to dress it up as something that's necessarily that easy, that anybody can just do it. Mm -hmm. You have to really feel it in your gut. Mm -hmm. And you have to be willing to start small Hmm. and, and... have failures along the way, (laughs) sometimes many. Mm -hmm. What's the smallest, easiest thing that you've done that has made your life noticeably better? Waiting patiently, (laughs) being patient. (laughs) That does not sound small or easy. (laughs) (laughs) It actually is easy. Wow. (laughs) You just have to do it. Oh, shoot, that's tricky, though. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you, you just like like getting stuck in traffic, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can you can fume and carry on and mm-hmm. curse and do whatever, yeah. or you can say, "Hey, I'm stuck in traffic. Life goes on, mm-hmm. and I'm just gonna sit here and look at what's going on around me." And, and just enjoy the present and suddenly everything just... Whew. Yeah. So, okay. And, you know, if I'm waiting for somebody or I'm impatient for something, anytime, if I just say, okay, slow down, just be patient, just wait... And don't get concerned hmm. about waiting. 
-hmm. Life goes on. Have you heard the song by the Beatles, Obladi, Oblada? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it literally means life goes on and yeah. like consistently mm -hmm. comes back to me. I really like the song. Yeah, <laughs> I do too. Yeah. It's a fun one. Do you have any favorite pieces of art that you've consistently come back to? No. <laughs> okay, it could, it could be a book. I, I think. Anything like I, that. I think often of pieces of music that I like. Okay, yeah. And I find sometimes, I find often that if I've heard it a few times, mm -hmm. it plays in my head. Yeah. So I don't have to actually come back to it. Hmm. It's there. Okay. I think things change over time too. Like... If, okay, if there's anything that I would probably that I find interesting to come back to is the graphic work of M.C. Escher. Okay. Do you well, know who he is? No, I do not. He's, he's um, a graphic artist from the 20th century, early, earlier 20th century, and he does some really interestingly conceptual stuff, particularly with perspective. So, oh, yeah. is he the guy who drew the stairs that go on forever? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And the, and okay. the one with a hand, there's, there's two hands and each one is drawing the other. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That one's so cool. Right, so I, I come back to that because it always challenges me to, to think about my own perspective on hmm. different things. And then you, it's the concept of perspective itself mm -hmm. that he really throws into you. So that's where, I, that's where I get this idea that I like to see things from different, through different lenses all the time uh -huh. before, in the process of making decisions. I guess that work of Escher is kind of resonates with that. <laughs> It's kind of a reflective practice on there's a whole bunch of different ways that you can see things and then it's yeah, a reminder that exactly. screams in your face yes. because you can't ignore that one hand thinks it's drawing the other hand and then one hand thinks it's drawing the other one and who's really doing what yeah. and who knows. And and it's the chicken and egg problem really. <laughs> Which came first, the hand or the pencil? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. Cool. Well, then I would be very excited to ask you some questions about Baha'i. Okay. Because I, I did a little bit of reading, mm -hmm. but there are a few... Before this? Yeah, before this. Just well, not as, not as prep? Or? As prep. Okay. As prep. I looked up <laughs> what is the Baha'i faith and okay. then did some reading because I, I was looking into a few of the specific things and then there were, there were two things that stuck out to me and they were that you guys try to, well, I shouldn't say you guys, but yeah, you, you <laughs> <I> can... just, <laughs> that as, as a Baha'i, that the Baha'i people, they try to challenge prejudice within themselves. Mm -hmm. And they also strive to bring about the unity of humankind. Yes. And those two things are really interesting to me. And what are some teachings or practices that people can implement in their own lives that would help them challenge their own prejudices? <clears throat> well, in the Baha'i faith, we have um, one of the practices that we have is prayer. Okay. And uh, typically, Baha'is don't pray like a lot of other faiths. We have a lot of revealed prayers. Okay. Like, a, like I have a whole, just on my phone here, I have a whole bunch of Baha'i prayers. Hmm. It's a Baha'i prayer book, and there's, that's just the categories. So there's okay. probably a few hundred prayers there. And okay. they're prayers for healing, prayers for difficulties, prayers of um, praise, and prayers for hmm. humanity, and mm -hmm. on and on and on. Mm -hmm. And so um, saying prayers to invoke certain qualities and standards in yourself is part hmm. of that process. Challenging who you are hmm. and thinking about 
what the expectations are in terms of living a good life. Okay. So, I don't know if that really answers the okay. question. Yeah, I think it does. I would sum it up as to challenge prejudice. You consistently reflect on the ways that you are being prejudiced and how you don't want to be prejudiced. Mm, I that that wouldn't be uh, the way that I would put it. We okay. we would look at the expectations as Baha'is, which is to treat everybody equally, mm -hmm. to recognize the deep humanity in everybody else, mm -hmm. and to love your fellow human beings, mm -hmm. to be non-judgmental, to to seek, um, to, to be of service to others, mm -hmm. all these things. So these are difficult things to do, yes. particularly on a continual basis, yes. to, um, to do one of the things that we talk about, which is actually in common with Islam, is the idea of submission to the will of God, which means that you leave your own ego behind and mm -hmm. do and invoke a higher set of values, the, the values of compassion, the values of courage, of, mm -hmm. like all the virtues that you can think of yeah. They're, the, the way that we look at it is they are the names of God, they're the attributes of God. So mm. you're seeking to invoke those things in yourself. Okay. So if you do that, you should become, to some extent, free of prejudice. Okay. Okay, yeah, that answers the question. And then related to bringing about the oneness of mankind, do you go about that in the same manner of trying to... That's part of it. There's two ways to do this. First is to know yourself mm -hmm. deeply. So understanding yourself and the qualities of the divine that mm -hmm. reside within you, like we all have God-given qualities. Yes. Uh, to see those and to practice those and build those capacities mm -hmm. is one step. To then see those in other people mm -hmm. and create situations where those things come out in other people mm -hmm. and those things are acknowledged, then we start to build oneness, we start to build unity. Mm. Okay. So it's seeing the God-given attributes that we all have in everybody, recognizing them, acknowledging them, and helping those to, to grow in each other. Okay. So, essentially, as we all become more fully human, we will all come together as humans. Yes. As, but we have to work at it. Yes. We have to work on, our, on ourselves first, mm -hmm. and then we have to work with others in the same way that we bring out the best in others. Okay. Very cool. So then there's a few more. What do you think the biggest thing that the rest of the world has to learn from the Baha'i? Well, I think what I just okay, explained this is, a, is, a, pretty, okay, is okay. a pretty good thing. Is a pretty okay. good thing to learn. Okay. Um, to, if we want to be simple about it, we could say that a big part of being a Baha'i is service. Okay. Service to 
the world of humanity. Okay. Not so much on your terms, mm -hmm. because you know you think it's important, but recognizing what's important for others. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the difference between wants and needs. Mm. Sometimes what people want and what they need aren't the same thing. Mm -hmm. So it's helping people to recognize what their needs are and then helping people to, well, to collectively address those. So mm -hmm. I'm not doing this for you because you're useless and hopeless and you can't do it yourself. Mm -hmm. I'm recognizing your capacity and I'll walk with you and we'll do this together. Hmm. That's a far more caring approach <laughs> than like, well, I'm going to pull you out of the mud because it, I'm so good and you're so low. It's, it's easier said than done. Yeah. And, you know, if you think about somebody who donates money to give an education to an African person, that's mm -hmm. really a noble thing to, to do, mm -hmm. but what's, what are you really doing? You know, it's, are, are we, is that the best we can offer in terms of helping our brothers and sisters? It's very mm -hmm. arm's length. Mm -hmm. And we can say, I've done that and... I don't know, it's sometimes that the things, I've got to be careful because I don't want to criticize other people, mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't want to make it like I'm criticizing people for doing something that's, you know, that's difficult. Mm -hmm. So, it's not my place to judge mm -hmm. others for what what they believe is a good thing to do. I just think we have to be careful about how we go about serving other people. Okay, so is it, it's like asking yourself the question, am I doing this act of service for me or am I doing it for them? I think so, yeah. And what does it really mean to do it for them? And again, okay. if it's helping to build their capacity, mm -hmm. I think that's the crucial thing. Okay. How has being Baha'i improved your life personally? One of the things that we're called on to do as Baha'is is to bring oneself to account mm. every day. Mm. So, reflecting back on what you've done mm -hmm. and asking yourself, is that you know, how do I feel about that? Is that, mm -hmm. could I have done better? Mm -hmm. uh, what are the good things that I've done? What can mm -hmm. I be proud of? Mm -hmm. And and how does that inform tomorrow? Hmm. That every day should be better than the next. Huh. So that's been something that has helped you personally quite a bit. Yeah, I think it, it, you know, it holds me, it, you know, it's funny that because it's easy to, to, to say I'm bringing myself to account mm -hmm. and be very judgmental about yourself, mm -hmm. but that's not the intention. Mm -hmm. It's not the intention is to, is to judge yourself, mm -hmm. it's, it's to look at what you've learned and what you've done and what does that mean for tomorrow. Hmm. So there's that continual process of growth and development. So it's kind of like this key hill where it's like every time you get to a point where you need to turn, you see this is what I did during the last run and this is how I can adjust. And then you make the yeah, adjustment and exactly. you don't look back at what you did before. You just keep looking you forward. You don't judge yourself on what you did before. Yeah. Okay. But you learn from it. Hmm. Yeah, okay. I think I think that would that would summarize it. Okay. Cool. And now it's time for the last question. All right. 
Imagine I forget everything from our conversation, and I only remember this one thing. What do you think the most important thing that you could tell me about living well as Simon in this moment would be? Keep learning. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you for speaking to me, David. You're welcome, Simon. And that is it. Hello everyone, it's Simon. I know you thought you were done with me, but I've still got a few things to say. The first is thank you. I really appreciate that you're taking the time to listen to my conversations, and I hope that they're adding value to your lives. The second is that if you're enjoying the podcast and want to support me in what I'm doing, you can do that in a few ways. The first is by subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. The second is by subscribing to my email newsletter. This can be found by going to my website, learningfromhumanity.com, scrolling down to the section titled Interviews, and filling out the form titled Want to Hear About New Content. The third way you can help me out is by following me on Instagram at learningfromhumanity. The mailing list and Instagram are similar in that those are the places where you will hear about cool new content. News of anything new will be shared via those channels. The final and most important way you can help me out is by suggesting a guest. The guests that I'm looking for are the old and the bold. The old are those who are 65 plus and can look back at their life and say, I have something to teach others about living well based on what I've learned over my years. The other category, the bold, consists of people like me, like you, maybe a few years younger, maybe up to the age of 35, who are actively trying to live the best life they can and have something to show for it. I'm not picky about who I interview, as long as they fit into those categories. It could be you, it could be your grandma, it could be your best friend who does uh, roller skating professionally, or makes really, really cool YouTube videos. I don't know who I'm going to interview, and I'm excited to find out. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for putting up with me gabbering on for so long. And I hope you have a great day.